want to continue in how we just feel God's presence here this morning. Because I believe that God truly does want to speak to our hearts and align us with who he is and how he feels about us and how he is leading and guiding us. Because if you're a regular here, you know that our services aren't quite like this. And sometimes God moves a little bit deeper and a little bit more sovereignly than we even anticipated when we, when we felt like this was a plan for our service. The abiding in God, when we say, God, you are so good, you are so good, you are so faithful, and you're so true. And we sing these words in these songs, and yet even as Pastor Ingrid is saying, when there's that little tug in our hearts, where we're like, but God, where were you true here? Where were you there? Where are you faithful in these places? When I wanted you to look like this in my life, it can be challenging. It can be hard for us. I know this month we've looked at how do we love Jesus? Because that's where the root of it all comes down to in the you are so good. It's because we've responded to his call of love. Because when it comes to love, God has always gone first. And this morning in our worship, that was just another reminder again of God reminding us of his goodness. Just a fresh presence of his spirit again to say, I've loved you. I've called you. You, weren't even, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. I'm inviting you to respond to my goodness. We looked at how we love God with our all, how he must be above and beyond all else, and how it involves discipline, but we need to prioritize the role of the Holy Spirit and how we love God. And this is right, and this is true, and it all points along the way in us following Jesus. While in love involves our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions, for love to be known, it must become directional. Our love must focus on someone. And if we were to ask ourselves, and again, without shame, and only for an honest evaluation, if you and I were placed on trial, how would our love for God be evident in our life? How would our love for God be evident in our daily routines? What does it look like for our love to, for God to be fleshed out? We ask ourselves this question, again, not in condemnation or for shame, but to remember that God is good. He has gone before us. And he does call for us to respond and to return that love. So why do I share that? Because to love Jesus is to be a resilient follower of his and requires that we follow him. In the book of John, one of the gospels in the, in the New Testament, in his account of Jesus he describes how followers of Jesus had been listening to him and how he'd been teaching them. And it had been a really long time that he'd been t- teaching them, so much so that 
There they were, away from the city without food, and he feeds them. He feeds 5,000 of them with just a little handful of food. And as he ends that session of teaching and miraculously providing for them, he crosses over the lake and goes to the other side to, to move on with ministry over there. And they caught up to him on the other side of the lake. While he went over the lake, they went around the lake and met him on the other side, looking for him, seeking him out. Why? Because they wanted more bread. They were seeking Jesus for the temporal things that he could offer them to make their lives easier while listening to him. And he corrects their lack of, of uh, sight to see the greater truth of him actually being not bread that he can break and, and get back a dozen baskets full of, but rather that he is the bread of life. And he challenges them and says, you don't need the bread that I can miraculously multiply. You need me. You need, you need the bread of life. You need to eat that bread and drink that blood in order to receive what God truly has for them. And they totally misunderstood him, thinking that he meant it literally. And they, most of them left. They faded off from following him because he was no longer feeding him the way that they anticipated. And I feel like this morning, even in our worship, God is calling us to a deeper sense of understanding what good means. And that following him, we don't rely on the temporal things. We don't rely on him breaking bread and fish so we can all eat and he can multiply it among us. We don't rely on him because he's good in that way. We rely on him because he's good in a so much deeper way. Except it's hard for us to hear, isn't it? To love Jesus requires that we eat and we drink of him. We take hold of him as a life and death reality that without him, there is nothing and we need him to cover us. And out of that comes a life of love. Out of that comes, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life, you must come and eat of me and drink of me. And that's the only way there is. That's how you enter into this life. Then we must be like the disciples and say, Lord, to whom else can we turn but you? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so if we love him, we obey him. And so what does that mean? What did God command us? What did Jesus say? You will obey my commandments. There's not a lot of them. So it should be pretty easy for us to follow. The first is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so what does that look like? How do we do that? How do you love God with all those things? Well, I ask you to start here. Humble yourself. 
Just humble yourself and submit to him. Let him lead your heart. Let him lead your mind. Let him lead your soul. Don't think that you know where you're going and know how to do it, but instead, God, you lead all of me. Lead me in all your truth, in your wisdom, in your righteousness. Lead my heart when my emotions want to go the wrong way. Lead my soul when it longs for things that don't look like you. Lead my mind when I get confused with this world and everything it has to offer. Instead, I want to be focused on your truths and not the mistruths of this world. Submit to him. The second command is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because of those two, all the laws of the prophets hang on them. And why do we do this? How do we do this? We do this by giving to your neighbor what you need, which is grace and mercy. It's the very things that we need to offer ourselves in love. Because what do you do with yourself except judge yourself way too hard and not give yourself enough grace and mercy? So love others like you need to love yourself. That's why we do mobile mission, because we want to offer grace and mercy to those who need it. The third command is this. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this commandment is for all churches to practice within their walls. This is repentance amongst each other. This is forgiveness amongst each other. This is unity before personal passions. This is caring for others when it, when it causes us discomfort. And the reason why it's between us is because there's an expectation that nobody in this room is going to take advantage of another. Is that when we have need, it's true need. It's not just comfort need. But we'll make sure all of our needs are met and that we love each other fully within the walls of this room. And that we can hold each other to account for that love. That's why it's within the walls and not to everyone because it can't be held account to the world around us, but it can be held account in this room that we love each other, that we're unified, that we forgive, that we reconcile, that we don't let our differences become bigger than our God and the love that he asks us to have. The fourth command is this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, the other three, plus this one. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is our mission in life, both as individuals and the body of Christ. It's our mobile mission, our shoeboxes, our mission work local and global, but it's also our personal witness to friends, to neighbors, coworkers, fellow students, family members. It's walking with them to know the fullness of God through his word and his spirit so they can be resilient and mature. The challenge is if we don't hunger enough to change direction, 
If we don't hunger enough to switch from the, the breaking of bread and fish that God does for the 5,000 to eating his flesh and blood and saying, God is good, stop. No more needed. That's it. If he does nothing else for me in this temporary world, that is more than enough to declare every single day of my life, God is good. But if we're not hungry for that, to know God and in knowing God, discover where he is at work in your story, then no specific spiritual practice, no message, no worship service will make any difference because he won't keep breaking that bread for you. He won't keep multiplying those fish for you because he came so that you may have life, eternal life, because that's where you live to the fullest. But if you will turn your attention towards God, to knowing God, the rest is going to work itself out. James 2, 14 to 20 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? So also, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well, for even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. See, we look to live this out. Again, not to earn anything. Not to earn anything. Our works don't earn us anything because even at our best day, our works are filthy rags. But we respond to the fact that he is good. He is good. He is good. And receiving what God has for us will produce with the Holy Spirit everything that we need. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Because against such things there is no law or command. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, taken the flesh and the blood of Christ and said, this is my life. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking one another, envying one another. Because we want the fruit of the Spirit to be active in our lives. We want a harvest of God's fruit in each and every one of us. That isn't fruit that's split between us as a group. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that get split up. The fruit of the Spirit should be harvested in every single believer. So don't be surprised when the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit in your life. Because when he wants to produce fruit in your life, it's going to look like this. 
Someone that pushes your unsanctified buttons. They push them to produce love in you. Saint or sinner or both, but God's going to send them into your life to produce love because they're going to grate you the wrong way, as lovely as they are. But it's not about them. It's about you. It's about you. Because God thought they were so lovely, he died for them. So when we can't stand to be in their presence, it has nothing to do with them. Because Jesus invited them into his presence. When somebody, when some trials come your way, it's to produce joy in your life. So you can say, today is the day of salvation. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I have joy in him. When, some con- when conflict comes your way, guess what? He wants to produce peace in your life. Because you can't have peace without being able to ride through conflict. When there's some urgency that keeps coming up in your life, guess what? He wants to produce patience. When there's rudeness and selfishness that, that pops up in your life, he wants to produce kindness. When there's some coarseness, he wants to produce gentleness. When there's some prodding people, he wants to produce self-control. When they're poking you, provoking you, looking for a response from you, he wants to produce self-control. The commands of Christ should result in this, that fruit coming out in your life, not denying them, not saying, well, I'm glad I'm saved because I can, you know, I can bring this to the cross after I say these words and do these things. We are day by day growing in our sanctification, growing and looking more and more like him, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as we submit to him that first command. So as we take a few more minutes just to worship and to let that sink into our hearts and how we respond to God inviting us into his loving embrace again today. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Mm-hmm.